Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of musculoskeletal healthcare. And I think I found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic gym hybrid model. And over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the U.S. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Today, I am honored to be joined by Dr. Ali Kane from the beautiful town of Georgina, Ontario. Is that right? That's right. Ontario, just outside awesome. of Toronto. <laughs> yeah, that for all those Americans, that means it's north of our northern border. That's uh, <laughs> That's what Ontario means. But Ali, you are uh, currently sitting in your clinic slash gym slash uh, education center as we speak. And uh, what I'd love to hear is, uh, I'd love to go into the story of how that all developed. But first off, give us a little uh, insight to, to who you are and how long you've been a chiropractor, et cetera. Thanks, Josh. Happy to be on and, and to be talking with you. Um, Dr. Ali here from just north of Toronto in Ontario. I know a lot about the States, but I know the States doesn't know a lot about us. So I hope <laughs> I can bring some perspective and awareness because I learn a lot from groups like yours, just mm -hmm. in a lot of the similarities and some of the differences too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm sitting here in Anchor Health and Fitness Center. We are a 5,500 square foot facility. 2,500 square foot of that is a gym and a spin studio. We used okay. to, Josh, have a yoga studio as well, but with COVID constraints, we've just kept that shut down. And we also have a really large growing clinic. And the clinic has two chiropractors. It has three physiotherapists and massage therapy naturopathy and athletic therapy as well. So it's been a beautiful adventure and I have loved marrying the two for so many reasons, Josh. So while I was in chiropractic school, I also owned a gym. Actually, I'll back up. Before I became a chiropractor, I started a boot camp and yeah. It grew to be something more than I could have ever expected, but I knew intuitively that I needed more. I, I wanted to still stay in fitness, but also do something that could help elevate people's health and have multiple ways that I could be a part of the health industry. So I applied to the chiropractic school. There's actually just one in Canada. It's Canadian Memorial Chiropractic College. And they told me when I went for the, the interview, they're like, well, you won't be able to work when you're in school. And I was like, we'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I went into school and I kept my business and my business kept growing. So literally I would be up at 4.30, coach a boot camp, like from 5.30, 6.30 till 7, go to school all day. And I don't know about schools down in the States, but holy moly, it is intense. It's like mm -hmm. 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. full on school when you're there. I'd get in my car, drive home, teach another boot camp class, do some homework, and go to sleep and then do it again. And so that was great, but not super sustainable. So I had the opportunity in my second year of chiropractic school to buy into a local gym. So I became a part owner of, of a gym, and it was a CrossFit gym. And it was great because now I didn't have to just rely on myself to run the business. Now there was a team. Now I could be sitting in microbiology class knowing that people were getting trained by somebody I trusted. Um, and it was, it was wonderful. It was a really, really great experience where I also got to kind of flex my business, my business muscles too, while I was in school take what I was learning in class and put it right into motion. So I'd say that staying working while I was in school was one of the best education pieces I could give myself so that once I graduated and had that license, I could hit the ground running right away. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I get a lot of questions from like uh, people who are in school, young students are about to go to school and they always say like, what should I do? And I always say, if I could go back in time, I'd become a personal trainer during school Mm -hmm. Because the, you know, for the aspect of what you're saying of like, you know, you, you had the business, you were very regimented and, and disciplined, but also you learn all this, like just rehab, right. In school. 
it's great if you know that from a book knowledge, but as you know, you try and go out and teach somebody to do a different move or, or get their shoulder move in a way that it hasn't like good luck with what you learned in school. Like (laughs) you need that experience of, of telling somebody eight different ways to, to move. Just teaching somebody something simple like a hip hinge might take 12 different versions of it and, and you'll run into reasons why they can't do that. I'm scared. It hurts. My back hurts when I do it. All that stuff really would make you a better uh, chiropractor when you came out of school. So I'm sure you were had a great balance of that from just seeing human beings move the whole time you're in school. A hundred, a hundred percent. I think it was one of the best like gifts a chiropractic mm-hmm. student could give themselves. And hey, you're also making some money while you do it as right. opposed to paying for school. So it really was a nice balance. And as soon as I got into practice, I felt a lot more comfortable and confident in my communication. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. if I graduated with the top marks. If I can't communicate to somebody, sure. make them like me, know me, trust me, and believe in the treatment plan that I've laid out for them, then I don't have the opportunity mm-hmm. to actually make an impact on them. Um, so, so that was really, really big for me. Nice. And so, yeah. So, yeah, working throughout school was was great. And so you it allowed completely me- exhausted uh, your adrenal glands and we're working full time, basically, and also full time school and running like crazy, I'm sure, from uh, school to class to all this. It gets a little better when you buy into the business because uh, mm-hmm. now you had a team. And then so what did you do for the you graduate chiropractic school? What do you do after that? So graduated chiropractic school. It was great. I had close to a full busy practice on, on day one because I'd already, the people in the gym, I'd already been talking to them like, like their chiropractor. Right. So they knew I was in school and they knew when they came to my class that I was looking at their movement, their CrossFit through a different lens. And so they were signed up for, for day one, which was incredible um, for them to then come in. And I felt so lucky it was almost like a a luxury to know how their bodies moved outside of the clinical space. Right. So I already knew that, you know, Joe Smith coming in couldn't really squat to death because he had a knee, a knee injury. And now I got to actually put my hands on him, palpate, do joint range of motion, figure out how I could influence his joint health, his soft tissue, his overall range of motion. And then he got to go put that into action. And hey, I got to have my eyes on that again, or some of my coaches did. So it was this beautiful, best of both world experience for the first sure. couple of years. And um, I think, don't I, I would, don't underestimate how much I'm sure that you learned as compared to the normal chiropractor coming out of school where you got to see that feedback loop close, right? Like, hey, I think this works. I'm going to do it on, on Mr. Johnson here. And then I'm sure you had the experiences we all have. You do it and it's like, oh crap, that didn't really do what I thought. That didn't nearly improve him like I thought it would, you know, and you go back to the drawing board and kind of realize this move doesn't work so well in that situation. This one does. For sure. And if I were to think back to the rehab classes that I underwent at chiropractic school, if my 500 pound deadlift patient is coming in with knee pain, therabands for him probably aren't going to do the trick. Right. So it, it did open my eyes to a whole spectrum of of the individualization of somebody's treatment plan and rehabilitation. And it led to where I am now to have access to a full gym so that we're not limited in our ability to truly get somebody moving. And we have experts in all domains that can that can help the hockey player, that can help the new mom that can help the 70 year old dealing with arthritis that just wants to get down and play with their grandkids. We have the ability to rehab them based on their needs and based on their goals as well. That's awesome. I mean, that's true, uh, you know, healthcare in the fullest sense, right? Surrounding that them from basic cradle to grave and, and specializing <laughs> in every one of those different areas or, or different seasons of life, right? When you're a high school athlete, when you go to college when, you know, you're 40 and want to lose weight when you're 70, like you said, and become a grandparent and want to, to still experience those memories. That's, that's awesome. Uh, can we talk a little bit about how the business developed as well? Sure. So, so I sold my first gym, the one that I was working at throughout school. I moved North. I no longer wanted to be 
a minority owner. I was ready to to grow my business. Um, now, just for just for our American listeners, how far was it from where you went to school to like where you are now? Is uh, forty five minutes. Okay, and it's just basically from the center of the city to kind of a suburb, roughly yeah. kind of setup. Okay, pretty much. And I and I was just so happened to be lucky enough that I lived that close to the school, right? So everybody in Canada pretty well applies to this school. They uh-huh. take 150 a year. It's different than the U.S., where I think you guys have the um, trimesters. Trimesters. Mm-hmm. We are a, a year-long program uh-huh. or a semester program, four years. With, it, with two summer breaks. And then the fourth year is a full year of a clinical residency. So that's how okay. it's structured. That's yeah. how it's structured here. So yeah, I, I knew that working at a clinic and working at a gym, which is what I was doing, was great. I wanted to put them together. And so I did. And we took over this old abandoned blockbuster. It's still nostalgic for, um, I actually can't believe that this space used to pay the rent just with like DVD sales and VHS sales. Yeah. Yeah. We kept the the drop-off box just out of nostalgia, but we built a gym on one half and we built a clinic on the other half as well as a spin studio. And when we first opened, we really marketed ourselves hard as a gym. We wanted to, to fill our space with as many happy, healthy people in this area that had been underserved because nothing like this had ever existed in this area before. We don't even have like a global gym up here. So what okay. we created was really new. It was kind of sexy and it was and it was flashy as well. So we actually sold out our memberships before we even opened. We put wow, like congratulations. Yeah, we put like a 50 50 people can sign up at a great deal before we open. We called them our OGs and we opened to 50 people. And so in my role as the chiropractor, I got to show up in this new town that I had just moved to, that I had just opened a business and not only give them a great fitness experience, but also announce to them that I was the new chiropractor in town, right? Mm-hmm. And that we had physio and we had massage and how all of these things worked together in harmony and what the anchor definition of, of health is. And that the typical, the medical system, we call it OHIP here in Ontario, but the medical system, it's not healthcare. That's sick care. What you're doing when you step foot into through our doors, this is healthcare. This is caring for your health, pushing the needle on your fitness and as far away from sickness as possible. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think uh, re, re, we, you know, car commercials, I would say you reimagine um the, the new Nissan Sentra or something, but I think reimagining healthcare and, and educating people as to, you know, their participation in it is such a big deal. And a lot of times they don't, um, they don't kind of realize what the opportunities are, but I will tell you that, uh, you know, with our clinic gym hybrid and so many of my clients, like they, you know, almost everybody reports a story of somebody walking in and saying essentially, Oh my God, I've always wanted to have this, but I just didn't know it existed, you know, and they, they're just blown away with the concept of, you don't have to come in just when you're broken, you can actually get better the entire time you're here. Right. And it, it doesn't seem that far fetched to you and I that live in this world that talk to other colleagues, but it it is life-changing for people when they realize that there is so much that they can do to be empowered now to ward off all of the things that they might think are inevitable in the future. Um, and really, Josh, that's kind of where the, the side, the side business that I started for new moms comes in. Um, which let's kind of, let's let, I just want to, uh, because I think those listening are listening. You, <laughs> you just packed an incredible amount of experience of life experience into like three sentences there. So you graduate chiropractic college, you start a gym in your hometown, essentially, where you wanted to live. And um, you start that gym, you sell it out with 50 people right away. And then you're basically a brand new, uh, you know, peel the, peel the plastic right off your diploma and your license, right? Put it up on the wall and bang, you're already seeing those gym members and also other community members who maybe weren't a member of your gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
as it went on, you developed this little niche that you really enjoyed, which is the, the kind of, um, uh, the postnatal always postnatal or mostly postnatal. Yeah. Okay, cool. And which I think is awesome because I think that's a, that's one of those, you know, one of the core tenants that I try and tell people is, is like, you're never going to win the war of more equipment and more space against a globo gym. Mm -hmm. And, but when people go in there, most of the clients don't ever look around and feel like there's a bunch of experts in there. There are trainers guiding people through workouts, but you, nobody looks at them as, as experts in human movement and whatnot. And so when you have a woman that just delivered a baby, uh, I don't know if there's another population that is craving more expertise and safety and the feeling of, hey, it's okay. I need to, you can't just tell me it's okay. You need to prove to me why it's okay. And I need to be, feel supported in that. And so I always tell people in this model, you have to sell expertise. You don't have the square foot, the square footage. You don't have the equipment that the big people, the big groups like LA Fitness and Crunch and Equinox and 24 Hour Fitness. And we're never going to have that. You know, they're, they're dumping millions of dollars just to open the place. So slow up. What don't they have is expertise. So if you can just show your clients expertise, not all of them will, not everybody you meet is going to join, but you don't need everybody in your community. No. You know, it's, it's like a country club. Like people are going there for a higher level of service, a, a thought that, hey, it's okay. So you pulled this niche out of postnatal women who are probably craving all the information they can about, hey, is it okay for me to do X, Y, Z? Is it safe for me to do that? And they also want to be incredibly healthy at that point for their new young baby. And so it's a perfect match in that hybrid model for that. So uh, that's a long way of saying. So tell us about how you came upon this niche. I mean, were you, did you have your first kid and is that what got you motivated or? No, let me tell you what got me motivated and you might laugh, but I really liked skipping. Like I really like in the CrossFit workouts when there was skipping involved. And I noticed that so many of the women who were members who had kids just wouldn't show up on those days, or if it was running or if it was box jumps, or they would, you know, kind of giggle to themselves and they would stop early because they were peeing their pants. Right. Yeah. And I think we can all, we all know somebody that has had that happen and you just laugh it off because it is so common after women have kids that they're peeing their pants. And I was like, well, I have all these protocols to heal ankle sprains and I have all these protocols to heal low back pain and rotator cuff, but like, shouldn't we just apply those same principles to be able to heal the pelvic floor after you've given birth? Like giving birth shouldn't be a life sentence to peeing your pants forever or having debilitating, debilitating low back pain, or in some cases like pelvic organ prolapse where people's insides are falling out. And it's not something that in my education that was really touched upon, but we were given the, the knowledge and basic tissue healing science. So I just started applying that to, to the pelvic floor, to exercise rehab for the core. And I started seeing all of these women get better. And a lot of them, when they started doing the core exercises I was prescribing to them, they, they noted that they were getting better at CrossFit, that their abs looked better, not just felt better, not just were stronger, but they looked better than before. And they were no longer peeing their pants. And so knowing all of that from working with athletes, when I did get pregnant with my first child, I was like, I'm going to write out the most solid postpartum plan so that I feel strong and healthy and empowered as soon as possible. And so I sat and I was writing it out and I was like, well, you shouldn't have to be a doctor to have access to this level of care. And so I launched here at Anchor, the first postnatal rehab group-based exercise rehab program. So I emailed all of the moms in the area that I knew who had just had babies. And I said, Hey, you can do exercise rehab. You can bring your baby with you. You can be led through it by an expert, by a doctor. And we can do an initial, an initial assessment first. This will be covered by your health benefits because I don't want you not showing up because you're peeing your pants. I don't want you when you're in your fifties to tell me that you've had to have two prolapse surgeries. And would you literally say in these emails and all this information, like, peeing your pants. Like you would say, I don't want you peeing your pants. Yeah. Because I, I think I a lot of people talk around these like sensitive subjects, but you know, this happened to my wife as well. And she talked like, you don't, they don't want to beat around the bush. So it's like, Hey, this is the problem. Address it, say it out loud. And now let's fix it. You know? Yeah. I mean, 
I, I don't want to beat around the bush because so many people are dealing with these and they feel embarrassed because mm-hmm. they give birth and like the pelvic area becomes a black hole and they're embarrassed and they just deal with it. But it is so detrimental to their quality of life that yeah. I'm like, I'm a doctor. I can say, you know, I can say what is actually happening and people are going to start to listen. And the more honest I was about what I was seeing clinically, what I was experiencing in my own postnatal body, the more women were like, Hey, that's happened to me. Oh, you mean I don't have to live with pain with intercourse? You mean I don't have to live with this excruciating pelvic pain? I thought it was just normal. My MT said it was just normal. I had kids. And because I was so vocal about it and I was telling people, you don't have to accept this. This is, there's so much that we can do. It grew so quickly, so fast. And a lot of my colleagues started messaging me like, Ali, what are you doing? It's, it looks different there. Group-based exercise rehab. But I was taught we can only do one-on-one. And so I really carved out this new way of delivering rehab. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Allie. Just by chance, the last person I interviewed for the podcast, uh, I don't know if you know Charlie Weingroff. He's a Mm -hmm. very well-versed physical therapist. And we were talking about ACL rehab. And he was saying that his whole ACL program started because he had a, um, a gym owner friend who was basically doing that ended up doing group rehab for high school ACL post-surgical athletes. And he said, because so many of them, the problem wasn't like the tissue healing of the ligament. It was that everything surrounding there is just weak. You just need to get strong, you know, like you need to do pull-ups because you don't have any muscle mass anywhere, let alone. So it's like, you can do this perfect graft of an ACL. Congratulations, you know? Yeah. And the other thing he talked about that I think, you haven't said explicitly, but I'm, I'm, I'm betting is in there is when a young, let's say a 14 year old girl has a ACL tear, gets surgery. When she's working out next to six other girls who had ACL repair and one of them's just kicking ass and, you know, is busting out six pull-ups, no problem with no help. The mental shift that goes from that instead of the one-on-one rehab, you know, Oh, you're broken and we're going to fix you kind of mentality is huge. It might be more important than the actual tissue changes. 100%. You hit the nail on the head there. There's this group accountability, right? There's this support system. We say community is medicine in this case, because now it's not just doctor patient relationship. Now it's patient to patient. Now in my, in my experience, it's mom to mom. And in the experience you just described, it's teenage girl to teenage girl. Hey, we're in this together and we can do this. Right. Right. So, and that's not necessarily something that's taught. And, and you just said like your previous podcast guests learned that from a, from a high school coach, right. Other people are doing this and we know that group based fitness works. So why not use that model for rehab? If it's getting our patients that much so better results. Yeah. So just like, uh, what were some of the success stories you heard in that first class? I mean, here you are, you put this together, but again, going back to that whole idea, like it's great to have book knowledge. It's a whole other thing to apply that to people. Um, what, what were the, some of the stories you heard in that first kind of cohort of, of women? Oh, I have some amazing stories. So the, the first story I'll share with you that really sticks out in my mind, young mom, CrossFit athlete, Went back to CrossFit at six weeks postpartum because she got her medical clearance, right? What happens within the first four weeks of, of, of CrossFit? Disc herniation, mm. right? And, and at the time of the disc herniation, she didn't put it together, right? She just thought, oh, I was deadlifting too heavy, disc herniation. She came to see me clinically to help fix her back. While I was doing my assessment on her and I was palpating her abdomen, I found a four finger wide diastasis, a four finger wide separation of her abdominals. She could not contract any muscles in her core. So do you think there was any type of stability for her spine when she was deadlifting? No. So not only did she have a disc herniation, but she also had diastasis recti. So we adjusted. And and clinically, I'm just sitting there thinking like, this is a you just described a nightmare scenario because you have an, a patient with an active disc herniation who also has a six week old kid. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. bending over in the crib. That's leaning down to pick them up. That's feeding, bending forward to pick them up to, you know, change diapers. Like everything includes flexion. 
and everything is below you, right? Picking up the car seat, loading the car seat. Like you can't do activity modification as well for this person as you could if they were working in a factory, you know? And then the second thing is so much of rehab is, okay, well, if we're going to, you know, if you strain your, your erector spinae, I'm going to try and shift as much load to your anterior core as I can, you know, the workload. And what you're saying is, oh yeah, by the way, that was shut off. So we can't even, like, we don't even have a choice here. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the worst situation somebody could be in ever. Yeah, it wasn't ideal. And for sure there was tears shed on the table, but also once we figured out that this was likely caused by a diastasis, right? We were able to do the normal disc herniation rehab, but then also start to strengthen her, her transverse abdominis. Mm -hmm. And so once we got her out of that pain state and could get her to the rehab component, we were able to heal her diastasis within a few weeks. And what do you think happened to her back? Felt good, felt strong. She returned to CrossFit a couple months later, has never had a flare up again. So, I mean, there's a lot more to the story that you could tease out to that, but long story short, my mind was just awakened in that moment to the consequences of an undiagnosed or unresolved core, in this case, a transverse abdominis, a a diastasis, an abdominal separation. Are you interested in becoming a better provider for musculoskeletal conditions? Well, if you know me, you might have seen me out on the road, but I totally believe in, I love, I adore the SFMA, the Selective Functional Movement Assessment. It is a fantastic way of assessing the movement-based dysfunctions in your patients. Now, why movement? Because movement has to do with motor control, and that's usually the first sign that pain is going to develop. And it's a better, more reliable method than assessing pain. So if you're interested in using a movement-based diagnostic system as part of your intake protocol, I would highly recommend the SFMA. Plus, they've got the best instructors. I'm one of them. So I make it fun. I'm easy to listen to. And well, I don't know about that, but I enjoy teaching it. And it's a fantastic course. I recommend it. So check out functionalmovement.com and look for an SFMA course near you. Functionalmovement.com. Look for an SFMA level one coming to your area. Hope to see you there. It's crazy because like you said, they get their medical clearance, which I think, you know, we can, going back to the ACL surgery pieces, they get their clearance of like, oh yeah, the wound is, is healed. The, the right. surgical so site is healed. The- Go ahead. That's okay. Um, so anyways, now in all of my postnatal patients, we're checking for a diastasis recti and we're mm-hmm. setting a baseline and then we're continuing to check in as they heal after they've had babies because a diastasis, and I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but a diastasis is just a symptom of core dysfunction, mm-hmm. right? That's not necessarily what we have to heal, but when there's a diastasis that persists after pregnancy, after childbirth, it means that there's a dysfunction somewhere else and it's just a matter of time until something else goes wrong. Well, yeah, let's, let's, you said, don't go off on a tangent here, but I'm actually interested here because what I'm hearing from you is we hear uh, somebody says, oh, I have low back pain. And it's our job as clinicians go, is this facet mediated? Is this disc? Is this mechanical? Is it, um, you know, a pars fracture is, you know, we go down our list of all these possibilities and some are more likely than others. And some are difficult to diagnose, but somebody, you know, if you meet somebody out at an event and they just say back pain, it's like, we know that that's not the diagnosis. That's just the starting point, right? Mm -hmm. In this classification of postnatal women that you're working on, what are some of the things we may hear? And I'm I'm doing this for my own benefit as well, but when we realize, hey, we might need to send them to a postnatal specialist or a pelvic floor specialist, what what are the things we'll hear? Like you said, uh, you know, incontinence during workout, right? So exercise incontinence is a a big one. Uh, What else? Great question. Thanks for entertaining my tangent because I am, I'm really interested in equipping the clinicians that want to learn this information so that they can rule out and, and decide, okay, am I the right clinician for you? Or mm-hmm. do you need to go to somebody who specializes right. in this? Right. And we really haven't been taught the right questions with our education sure. to be even thinking that, oh, your low back pain could be related to something pregnancy, childbirth related. So some of the things that would alert you to this being something that you would want to refer, like you said, the exercise induced or stress induced incontinence. And that's 
bladder and bowel. That's urine and fecal because that can happen. You do want to be asking your patients, did you have a vaginal birth or did you have a C-section? Just knowing that they've given birth to their baby is not enough because we know that there's certain things um, in terms of just, again, basic tissue healing science that if somebody's given birth vaginally with no tearing versus they've had an episiotomy where there's literally been a surgical incision from vagina to anus, that your patient's probably healing a little bit differently. Or if there's been a C-section, that there's been an incision through seven layers of tissue and all of that is healing internally, despite what it might look like on the outside. And so, oh, Josh, like I just, I could get into this all day, but, but understanding their birth method would be health history question number one. If everybody listening to this right now just started asking their patients and the male patient, male practitioners too, you're a doctor, like you can ask your patient, you can say mm-hmm. vagina, did you give birth vaginally or via C-section? And that's going to allow you to know that, okay, if this patient's had a C-section, all of those anterior structures are now dealing with adhesions or scar tissue or whatever you want to call it. That's, that's mm-hmm. healing through there. So probably loading their low back in those first initial months you need to be doing it in a smart, progressive way. Okay. And I'll share with you some of the, the literature suggests that the abdominal fascia tensile strength has only regained 50% strength at, at that six-week clearance. So six-week clearance after a C-section is not enough to go back to your orange theory or your spin class or whatever it might be. And, and Josh, we as clinicians are in a really, really beautiful and unique role where it's not that the OB or the midwife didn't do their job with their six-week clearance. It's that that is their job. Mom and baby are here. They're okay. It's our job as clinic gym specialists, as rehab specialists, as doctors to then fill that gap and strengthen their body appropriately, rehab their body appropriately, just the same way you would if somebody came in with an ankle sprain to ensure that they feel good now, but years later. (laughs) So vaginal or C-section, any exercise induced incontinence. So are you peeing when you jump or sneeze or laugh? Do you have pain with intercourse would be my third question that you could ask, because that is going to be indicative of a pelvic floor that is tight. Now that's a bit more of a sensitive question. So you want to reframe that as how it works for you. Um, But when a patient tells me that, yeah, I have pain with intercourse, I know that their pelvic floor is so tight that when they cough or laugh or sneeze or jump, that the pelvic floor cannot like reflexively contract to control the bladder. And that's mm. why you see the incontinence. So this so is the- a muscle spasm. Basically it's, it's because muscles need to contract and relax. And you're saying it's, it's only one way. It, it, it doesn't have the ability to re- In, relax enough or yeah. re- reflexively relax, but like that, Motion is what allows function to happen, right? We need our mu- every muscle in the body at some point has to contract and relax at the right moments, eccentrically, concentrically, to maintain posture, to create movement, to create digestion, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. All those things have to happen. And if it's in one state or another, that's problematic. Yeah, you, exactly. You're, you're exactly correct there. And the majority of people who come in with pelvic floor dysfunction or core dysfunction or just for a wellness checkup have a pelvic floor that is too tight, which yeah. is opposite of what most people would think. Oh, you just you know, gave birth to a baby vaginally. It should be too loose, but that's not often the case. Hmm. And can I get into a little bit more of the, like the science behind that? Would that be? Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So we think of our core, like you think of your anterior wall, you think of, of, of the posterior core as well, but we know that the top of the, the core, the core canister could be considered your diaphragm, right? right? Your pelvic floor is truly the bottom part of the core. So if it's not properly stretching and contracting, then that's core dysfunction. And typically when I see somebody who has abdominal separation, it usually means that they're not actually having that proper motion through their pelvic floor. And so Josh, your diaphragm and your pelvic floor, because it's the top and the bottom of your core, they have a synergistic relationship. So Mm -hmm. as you inhale, the diaphragm moves down atop of the pelvic organs, they press down and your pelvic floor has to lengthen to accommodate them. Okay. Then you exhale, pelvic floor contracts, everything moves back up. So you should have this relationship. 
I don't know how often you're. So it's um, like a, a potato, right? You have the biggest part, like a russet potato has a big front, which is the abdominal muscle, the, the anterior abdominal muscles. And then the backside would be the post, the back muscles, right? But what we're leaving out is that thing is actually got a side to it, a top to it, and a bottom to it. It's not just two flat sides, which is kind of the thing. And then exactly. it moves like a piston. It's a potato piston, Allie. Simple. Potato uh-huh. piston. Yeah. I'll add that to my modules. <laughs> yeah. But so, so Josh, a big portion of the population, and this, if there's any like DNS practitioners out there mm-hmm. who, or people who specialize in breath work, a lot of people aren't breathing properly, right? So a lot of people aren't getting that proper diaphragmatic excursion. So their pelvic floor is not getting any type of movement to it. So you have a mom that's just been pregnant for nine plus months. Their uterus grew from two ounces to two pounds. So their pelvic floor, it was doing work. Right. They gave birth, whether vaginally or C-section, and their body is recovering and they're navigating the stresses of, of motherhood. And they probably aren't breathing properly, or maybe they never were. So their pelvic floor just settles in whatever state it ends up settling in. And the the symptoms of that arise elsewhere, low back pain, incontinence, a diastasis recti. And so anytime. So those are all manifestations of a core. uh, I don't want to use the term core dysfunction. I mean, core, like a apple core, not Core, like we mean exercise core, right? Yeah, like an inner unit core or a pelvic floor dysfunction yeah. is going to arise with other with other symptoms or do, other clues. Do you see, just going down those the, that path, do you see other organ issues like um, digestion issues or um, heartburn? I mean, heartburn. My wife had crazy heartburn when she was pregnant with our second kid. I'm trying to think of other other manifestations you might see when that pressure in the cylinder is not correct right? Because it's, it's containing a bunch of stuff that there has to be space for. And if there's a lack of space or there's, what would you call that? A, um, the, 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 the tent, the, the tightening is not happening in the right place, right? Like we want it to happen in this potato piston across it. So like if the pelvic floor is, is hypertonic, if it's, if it's too tight, Mm -hmm. right? When you palpate their glutes, like the piriformis has an internal segment that is technically part of the pelvic floor. So you're going to get these like really tight glutes. So maybe that piriformis starts pressing on the sciatic nerve and you have sciatica, right? There's, there's a whole sequelae of events that can happen because this is the center of our bodies. And, um, and to extrapolate on what you just said, like what other things would you look for? So I want you to picture this because I think that we can all picture somebody who has this anatomical presentation. They've had kids 10 years ago and they've just never lost the body weight. I'm putting air quotations in here. Yeah. They just never lost the weight. They have this distended lower abdominals and they grab it and they're like, this is my mom pooch. I can't get rid of it. I'm doing P90X and CrossFit and paleo. I can't get rid of it. And then when you look at their glutes, it's this like tucked under, they're squeezing it all the time appearance, right? Can you picture somebody like that? You probably mm-hmm. will. If you go to the grocery store, you'll see somebody like this. And so often that is the root cause is pelvic floor dysfunction because the pelvic floor is no longer contributing to postural or core strength in the way that it needs to be. The glutes are now acting as destabilizer muscles. So they're squeezing all the time. And I felt this when I was pregnant. Holy moly, my bum muscles were squeezing all the time when I was treating patients. And so they just stay tight all the time. And it literally changes the anatomy of your pelvis and your lower abdominals become distended. And so it's not necessarily excess fat. That's the mom pooch. It's like your literal anatomy and physiology has changed because your Mm -hmm. pelvic floor cannot properly lengthen and contract. Right. And and I mean, for the purposes of our podcast, I am oversimplifying this, but at the end of the day, these are things that you're going to see. And as a clinician, we can't be ruling out the pelvic floor just because we're not necessarily comfortable with it. It's our job to, you know, recognize, rule in, rule out, refer if needed and, or do what you can do. Adjusting those patients is going to help, but then getting them to do some, some pelvic floor physiotherapy or getting them to do some GroCo postnatal rehab or whatever it might be. So, I mean, 
we're kind of getting close on time here and I want to respect the fact that you've got to get back to all these postnatal women and get back to the gym, but let's talk about this. So we have this, uh, obviously you have expertise in this area of postnatal women, right? And you, you have this clinic and gym. How has that expertise translated into gym memberships for you? Because I'm sure okay. there's a lot of people that are like, Hey, I, I, maybe they're not interested in pelvic floor. That's totally cool. But they're like, I really specialize in cyclists with knee pain. Awesome. Just what it sounds like you did is you offered educational based marketing, right? Come in. We'll talk about your, as you said, the, the exercise induced incontinence that brings them in. And then you give them this presentation. They go, Oh, this, this woman gets it. I mean, mm-hmm. finally somebody's singing my song, right? Yep. So how it works in the gym is number one, as the owner of this gym, I don't want anybody in my space getting injured, right? The goal is, is healthcare. I want to make sure everybody is thriving, is having a good time, is feeling yep. healthy. And the thing that most new moms are missing is guidance. So like any gym, women get pregnant and they still come and then they give birth. And a lot of times you never see them again because they just don't know what to do. Right. And so it's an expertise, what, man. I'm t- I hope everybody hears this from Allie. Like, everybody rolls their eyes when I say that. I'm like, that is all we have. I mean, you could have a gym with no equipment, just open space and old carpet. And you could thrive if you just show people, you know what the hell you're doing. Know what the hell I'm doing and care and care about them and give them the guidance so that they feel empowered to make the choices that they want to choose. Right. So mm-hmm. we've had, I mean, we have tons of women who come here because they know that there's a female owner who right who gets it, who understands the unique demands of pregnancy and postpartum. And they can call me up when, you know, they give birth and say, okay, what do I do now? And I say, all right, let's take a look at you. This is the plan. And when they do come back on that first day, I'm either there or I've, or I've empowered my coaches to say, Hey, so-and-so welcome back. We're so happy you're here. You just gave birth six months ago. So here's where we want you to start. And if you feel this, this, and this, some of the things that we chatted about earlier, if you feel any type of incontinence or low back pain or any type of heaviness in the pelvic floor, that's an indication to let me know we should swap out that movement, right? So they feel completely taken care of and they know that they're not setting themselves up for, um, I don't want to use the word failure, but for any of those common ailments that I can tell. And that that stopping a workout is not because you're, oh, because you're just weak. That's not why we're stopping. We're stopping because it now doesn't fit this model of healthcare. And that's okay because, I mean, CrossFit is inherently competitive. And that's one of the great things about it, right? I want to, there, since you are a blonde woman who looks like she's in shape, I will tell you the story. Like the most motivated I've ever been in, in a CrossFit workout was, it was deadlifts and sprints. And this, I was lining up on the line to take off on sprints. It's like five rounds of, I can't remember, 200 meter sprint and then uh, 12 deadlifts or something. And the woman to my left, this in shape, attractive blonde woman pulls out lip gloss, puts it on right before the workout. And I, in that moment decided I needed to kick her ass as hard as I could because it violated everything about a workout to me. Then the gun goes off or the whistle blows and essentially she turns into a rabbit and smokes my ass. But anyways, <laughs> that workout was incredibly motivating trying to catch up to her the whole time, right? <laughs> so anyways, it's, it's just uh, at that point, if I had stopped four rounds in, there's this inherent thought like, oh, that's because I'm, you know, I'm a sissy or, you know, the weight's too heavy or something. And what you're saying is if I stopped and I walk up to you and I go, Allie, I just did that fourth set of deadlifts and something doesn't feel right on my back. Can you talk to me about it? That, that dialogue now opens up the world. And, and we're not going to get people who push through that fourth and fifth round maybe inappropriately and end up with a disc herniation or a strained muscle or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah. And I've, Such and I've a different set them up for success because we talked about their postpartum plan while they've been pregnant, whether it's in the gym, in the clinic, or both. I've said to them, generally at about three months postpartum, you can get back to impact exercise slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are the different things that we'll swap out. So they already know, they already know to expect it. They already know that I'm looking at them through a different lens. So they don't feel embarrassed or less than when they're swapping out ab mat setups for dead bugs. They know that, Hey, actually that's going to get me, um, that's going to rehab my core faster without doing any damage to mm-hmm. my pelvic floor. Why, why wouldn't they opt for it? And we've created this culture now 
around that. I mean, we have men in the gym too. There's all sorts of different dynamics here, but we've created this culture for women who've given birth. That's very supportive and inclusive rather than, Oh, you're less than no, it's you're rebuilding. Yeah. I hope people are listening to this with, with not just the blinders on of, of postpartum women, but any niche, uh, you know, golfers who often injure their low backs want to get back to golf, but sometimes that is a long journey. If you're just the expert that teaches them, Hey, today we're going to do dead bugs because it's going to lead to longer drives in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that stance and that approach is so much different than every other gym in the U S so, so you mentioned it's not just these women in your gym. Uh, that's who you bring to the gym, I would guess. Like, that's mostly who you bring. But it's, it's a general pop kind of active adult, everybody yeah. in the neighborhood kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and how has the gym worked to build your clinic? Because a, a lot of folks listening to this want to have the clinic in the gym. And most of them are starting from a full clinic and bleeding into the gym. But you, before we recorded, you said that there's a – another effect you hope people recognize about the gym being busy all, uh, on its own? Yeah. So one of the, the neatest things that I never foresee, like I didn't foresee when we first opened was the fact that we're a clinic, but we also have high foot traffic because people are coming in and out of the gym in the spin class. So they'd mm-hmm. swing by the front desk and talk to, to our receptionist and be like, Hey, does Dr. Ali have an appointment today at all? I just, you know, I'm feeling like I need an adjustment. And they could book them in, right? So we're not just a destination. We're a place that people are already. Or if there's a last minute massage opening, we'll open the gym door and we'll say, hey, Fran has massage opening at four. Does anybody want it? And honestly, more times than not, people are like, yeah, put me down. So it's it's built this clinic so much quicker um, in an organic way than if we had just opened a clinic, put up a sign and said, come see us. And we have that much more. We had that much more volume of people or eyes on us because we were a gym and inherently Josh people I say this all the time like got to give people what they want so we can give them what they need they might think they need weight loss so, so they show up to the gym but what they actually need is nutrition help and conditioning and a proper like stretch and strengthen and physio and chiro program. And so you give them what they want. They come to the gym, they have an awesome workout, a great experience. And then we get the opportunity to give them our expertise, to give them the guidance and paint this picture of where they could be if they take steps A, B, and C. And I believe even as a chiropractor now, right? Coaching a class does not, it's not as lucrative, right? As being a clinician, but it's an ability to like infuse my knowledge to a mass amount of people who are already receptive to it. Like we've pre-qualified these people to be listening to what we have to say. And so I get to say what I want to say. And almost every time somebody's interested in what I have to say, or they want to see somebody in the clinic because they understand it from this next level. Yeah. I love it, man. This has been, this has been, Awesome in ways I didn't even know it could be, it, it was going to go. So um, we had talked uh, maybe last week or over the weekend, and and you actually put on some uh, webinars and live workshops for clinicians who kind of want to get into that postpartum world and understand it more, right? Yeah, that and so the well, I think what you're talking about is like the get back to running after baby. I think that every clinician should have that information so that they mm-hmm. can they can decide whether they are the person that should be treating okay. that person. Right. So yeah. definitely I have seminars and things that I where can, train. Where can people find those? GrowCoRehab.com on Instagram. Grow like G R O W co. Right. All right. So GrowCoRehab.com. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I'm on Instagram. We have a ton of free resources, Instagram at dot rehab. Um, yeah, browse around, reach out. I'm always willing to chat because I know that this is a huge area that was missed out on in a lot of our education and we're doing a disservice by ignoring it to women. So any opportunity I can take to support clinicians, to empower us, to then make a bigger impact on women, it, it, it fulfills my mission, which is to raise the standard of care for postnatal women around the world. Yeah. I think it's, I think you, you, have touched on the model that I wish so many people would grab onto, which is, you know, in marketing, they always say like, find the niche 
And it's so much, everything becomes easier if you know who you're going after. Mm -hmm. For example, like you don't need to uh, approach women over the age of 60 because you're going after women who are in that age group of having, uh, uh, being pregnant, delivering, right? And, and it's so much easier when you do that. And if you are, you know, I have a friend who uh, only works with bodybuilding athletes. Like that's what he wants to work on. And, you know, when they pose like the, what most people don't understand and most clinicians don't understand about rehabbing them is they have to create the most amount of tension in a joint. So you can't say like, oh yeah, just, you know, do something else. No, no, they have to get the full flex of their lat. And if you got back pain and you flex your lat fully, that hurts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so he just understands that more than anybody. And, but it's so easy because where do those people hang out? They hang out at gyms and supplement shops. That, that's <laughs> where you need to focus on them, right? And I want to go after golfers. Where do they hang out? Golf courses, right? But golf courses be a horrible place to meet my friends' bodybuilders. Mm-hmm. And they might not be that great of a place to go for your uh, women who are postpartum. Mm-hmm. And so if we just look at those things and apply our expertise, our expertise and dive down that rabbit hole of how to help these people, it becomes so easy to build the gym, to build the clinic, to build everything off of that. Yeah. So, Allie, I certainly appreciate your time today because I think this is just so many gold nuggets within this interview. And um, I hope people do reach out to you because I think you've set the pace for how the model should go. Thanks, Josh. I, I love it. I show up to work every day. I love who I work with. Um, everything is just is just going so much better than I ever could have imagined. I'm, I'm five, I'm six years into practice at this point, And I've already claimed my niche at three years into practice. And I know there's new grads listening to this. They might be like, Oh, I just, you know, want a warm body on my table. And certainly that's fine. Like you'll learn off of that. But when you start to tease out what lights you up, you'll give that much better care. And those people will feel that much cared for word of mouth and your clinic will be bursting at the seams in no time. Yeah. I think those are words of wisdom for everybody listening. Well, once again, uh, Dr. Allie Kane from uh, up north in Ontario, <laughs> Canada. I think you're setting the bar. And, and, uh, and it, what was the name of your gym again? It's Anchor Fitness? Anchor Health and Fitness Center. Awesome. Well, I hope people can look it up online and check it out. Allie, this has been a slice of heaven. I certainly appreciate your time today. And uh, everyone out there, I'm going to say this line that I say at the end of every podcast, but I I hope you see what it's like when you hear Allie talking about it. Go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Allie, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.